I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Well, uh, let's get right into it. Um, uh, Datability. Um, uh, Have you heard of Datability yet, Brian? I have, but only leading up to this conversation. Only because we're going to have this conversation. Well, we're going to be talking all about it today with uh, Jacqueline and Alexa Child. How datable do you think you are? How datable do I think I am? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound like a a fucking (laughs) prick, but like, I think I'm quite datable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, minus the fact that you have a girlfriend right now, so yeah, yeah. you're undateable right now, but if you were on the scene, you think you'd be pretty dateable. Yeah, I think I'm a catch, um, mostly because uh, usually when I go on a date, I end up staying, like, I just go on one date and then I end up staying <laughs> with that person for years. So, like, I don't, I think it just, like, works. I don't know. So you'd say if, <laughs> if dateability was a ranking system, you'd be high on the dateability charts. Uh, yeah, perhaps. And also, if dateability, uh, if, if dateability was around uh, when I was trying to get into the dating game, which I am not right now, um, it might have been something that I was really kind of intrigued by because um, uh, I will, I'll actually pass it over to Jacqueline and Alexa to give us a little bit of insight as to what datability is all about. But it definitely, um, uh, it's something that I would be great to use. And Brian, you actually could probably find a place on datability if you were in the dating scene looking huh. to date because it's, uh, it's specific for um, uh, a certain group of people. Is that correct? Yeah, so Datability is the only dating app out there for disabled and chronically ill people. And um, disability is a really broad term, and that includes Mm. physical, psychiatric, and intellectual disabilities, and any type of chronic illness. Um, And also non-disabled and able-bodied people are more than welcome to join as well. Cool. Sweet, yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense for me, you know, get on there. It's like... I'm, I'm the CF guy. I just put it like right out there. Have, you know, cause I, I know that, I mean, I've never really, I, I've dated a, quite a lot, uh, especially over the last, like, I don't know, seven, eight years. Um, but personally for myself, I've never, I've never kind of run into the challenge with dating where my, my disability cystic fibrosis has kind of gotten in the way of my ability to date. Um, you know, it was never something that like, I, and and I don't know why this is. I don't know if it's because of my relationship to CF and the way that I talk about it openly anyway, but it never really like was, I, at least I've never noticed it to be like a wedge that I had to kind of get around that sort of caused an obstacle for me. However, in doing this show for seven years, I mean, the amount of times that we've spoken to people living with, you name it, and we talk about dating and how does their illness kind of play into their dating life, 
there's so many people out there that are dealing with, you know, whatever it is, any kind of disability, where their disability seems to um, kind of like be problematic for their ability to put themselves out there or to feel seen or feel heard. Um, and I know that the the origin story of dateability kind of speaks to you in that way, Jacqueline. Um, maybe you can give us a bit of insight as to like, how did dateability start? Where did this all come from? You know, where was the idea originated from? So you're lucky you haven't had the same experience as me and it just reaffirms you're very dateable. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but I would say every, so in, the, in the past five years, every relationship or romantic prospect that ended not on my terms ended due to my disability, which says a lot. And it could be like a gender thing. Maybe mm. males are a little more empathetic and caregivers. Yeah. And just like the, the guys who I've been interested in aren't, mm. um, but I, I get a lot of judgment and just a lot of misunderstanding about what it is to be disabled and to be chronically ill. Um, I have a dynamic disability. So, you know, as a lot of disabilities are and chronic illnesses are, so it changes. And I see that a lot of people just do not understand the, the complex complexities of having a disability. Um, yeah. It, it And sometimes these romantic prospects end really quickly after I tell them. Mm. Um, and tell them the example. On Bumble. Yeah. Um, so on another dating app, I started talking to someone, like literally two messages exchanged. And he said something like, hey, do you want to go on a walk? Um, this was, I think, the, yeah, the first summer during the pandemic. And I said, hey, like, I just had hip surgery I can't walk, but I will gladly go sit at the park. And he said, hey, look, what's your injury? I said, oh, I didn't injure myself. I have um, a condition where I frequently need to get surgeries on my joints. And he said, oh, well, you better not plan on having babies if it's genetic. It oh, Jesus. so selfish to oh, have my God. a baby. I was Whoa, so no. I immediately blocked him, reported him to the app. Um, they were really nice. They they removed him from the app and sent me flowers. But it was so discouraging. Mm. And I was like, what? I was so taken aback. Um, yeah. And that's just like one example. And then, you know, there's people who I do get closer to. And um, the, they sort of see disability as a lot of baggage and a lot of burden. Mm -hmm. I had one one guy tell me that his mom told him not to get involved with someone with chronic illness and that it was too, too stressful to, to manage. And he didn't really feel like worrying about someone. Mm. <laughs> if we, my mom ever told me don't get involved yeah. with this type of person, I'd be like, yeah. well, I'm going straight out to get involved with that type of person, mom. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it was a really red flag for a yeah. lot. Of oh yeah, definitely. But, yeah. yeah I, so I, also I, just the audacity of, for him to tell you that like yeah if I, my mom said anything about my partner or whatever like i would never repeat that if it's just no like, yeah insane. the whole thing's crazy we we've we've spoken in the past to people who who like jer said have had challenges with dating because of their chronic illnesses um and one of the things that we we hear 
from time to time is that that there's like a sort of a silver lining to it in the sense that like it helps weed mm. out the shitty people. Yeah. Did like do you, is there any sort of like um, comfort in knowing that like you you can <laughs> you've had the ability to like weed out those types of people before you've gone too far down yeah. the road. Yeah, and with I them? think that um, like people who are interested in me, um, there were there was one person and. It, we really just didn't work out because um, he ended up moving, but he was really open to it. And I'm like, thank you. You're open-minded. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people look at, look for in a partner. Um, and you know, I'm disabled now, but who's to say that a non-disabled person won't be disabled down the road. Mm-hmm. So like, I think finding people that are able to look at, to, to, to the future and understand that, no one is guaranteed their health. Mm, mm-hmm. Really important to me. Well, and I what? think the pandemics taught us that even more. Like, you oh, know, yeah, big time. COVID, who were totally healthy before, had never, you know, had no health issue, didn't go to doctors, are now chronically ill. Some are even disabled. Yeah. You know, whether that lasts eight months, whether it's the rest of their life. But as an able bodied person, I noticed after, you know, living with my sister and seeing things like through her eyes and watching her go through these experiences, the, how much ableism is out there on the app. So we're in Colorado, super active, you know, a bunch of people come here to be outside and all of these people are looking for someone to ski with them every weekend, hike with them, hike all these 14ers. And even though I can do that, I don't want to, but I am also (laughs) like, this is ridiculous because Maybe let's say we do that now, but then I get hit by a car one day and I can't, you know, ever hike again. Are they just going to leave me? Like mm. real relationships with you in sickness and in health. And so it's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's very eye opening. The, there's also like, and, and I don't know if this speaks to you, Jacqueline, but like there's also the experiences that I've seen or heard of. Um, actually, it reminds me specifically of um, uh, the latest season of love on the spectrum us um there was a young woman kaylin and she had uh autism and um she you know they follow they follow kaylin who goes on this date with this like young gentleman who seems like he's like he seems amazing and i remember watching it going like oh my god kaylin just she just nailed it like she found this guy the date was awesome. They start talking about her intellectual disability. He's super understanding. It's like they have this like really beautiful connection. And then when the date's over, he is like, yeah, this is really fun. I'd love to do it again. And she's like, oh my God, yes, of course. And then of course, and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, at the end of the, the series, you get sort of like these updates on like what happened with everyone or where they're at now. And we find out that Kaylin never even got that second date. You know, it's like you go on the date and you, you, you get this almost false sense of hope because the person that you're with is in that moment, very kind, very like seemingly understanding, but maybe too kind for their own, for their own good, because they don't have the, they don't have the thing in them to basically, they're not being honest with you or themselves. And they they don't have it in, in them to like tell you then in the moment that like, Oh, actually, you know what? This, this makes me feel this sort of way or whatever. This isn't for me. And so you're just like left with, and I know like in dating, you know, when, when those moments happen, when you think a date was awesome and then all of a sudden you are slammed in the face with the fact that, oh, it wasn't, um, the, those moments are so disheartening. 
those moments are like what kind of set you kind of, like, I mean, for myself, like that, that puts me in a bit of a, a bit of like a hibernate hibernation state where I'm like, maybe I don't want to date for a while, you know? And mm. that, and that's, that's really sad. Like that really, that kind of like, that really sucks. Mm. Yeah. It um, makes you feel like you can't trust your, your gut and your instincts. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. You start questioning yourself. Exactly. Um, Jacqueline, what is, what is the disability that you, that you live with that, uh, causes the, uh, the, uh, the, the hip surgeries, uh, every so often or joint surgeries? Yeah. So I have um, lupus and rheumatoid arthritis along with um, Ehlers-Danlos and gastroparesis. Um, so I have, I've had a, um, over 40 surgeries in the past 15 wow. years. Yeah. Um, just all over my body for different things. Um, my big ones was uh, an aortic surgery. So I traveled to Chicago right before the pandemic and had a thoracotomy there. Um, and my latest was last November. I had a J tube placed for my gastroparesis, which mm. really was the catalyst um, to start dateability. Alexa panicked a little yeah. when, she, when she was like, you, you know, all my dates before were going out to dinner and going to eat, um, get, getting a drink. And how was I supposed to explain that I don't eat three large meals a day to a prospective partner? Yeah, they they just assume you're a vampire. They're like, "Why are you eating uh, human food?" What's um, a J tube? Yeah, I was gonna say, can you explain to the listeners who don't know what a J tube is? Yeah, so a J tube is a feeding tube. It's um, mine is just really looks like a little button, and it's the tube is mine's about eighteen inches, and it goes through my intestines. So all of my nutrition goes straight into my intestine rather than my stomach because my stomach is paralyzed. So I was frequently um, vomiting all my food. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's tough. And, and again, like when you, when, when, when you think about like dating, um, you know, one of the most like social human activities that we have is sharing a meal sharing yeah. a drink like that is it's one of the most common ways for people to come together and you know dating aside um and so when you sort of remove that from your ability to connect with someone i can imagine that there's there's almost this feeling of like well fuck now what do i do you know it's like i can't i can't go hike the mountain because my hips all fucked up i can't go to the coffee shop and have a coffee um that's uh, like that. I, I can see why that would be really, really disheartening. How, how did like did how did that make you feel going into that surgery and and knowing what sort of life might look like afterwards? I, out of all the surgeries, this was the hardest one to actually pull the plug on. I put it off for a while, and I finally had a really great um, registered dietitian tell me that if I kept living like this, my life down the road would be really horrible. And I'm at a really high risk of, um, contracting esophageal cancer. Mm. So that put everything into perspective and I just went for it. Um, it was really, really scary. Although I think the reality of it is that it, that it is really a lot less scary than I thought it was going to be. Um, which I think is a good lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do, frequently eat small meals and I will have these days where I just say, screw it. I'm going to eat like a regular person. Um, 
so it's been tough and it's been an adjustment. And I mean, I haven't gone on a date since, so I don't really (laughs) know what it's like to date with a J-tube yet, but I hope with dateability that I do get to go on some dates. (laughs) Yeah, it really wasn't as bad as I I thought it was going to be. Like, we live together. I'm a foodie. I'm always cooking. And I was like, oh, this is going to be life-changing, not only for her, but for the person who lives with her, me. And it really isn't you know, as bad as we thought, if I cook a meal, I'll make her like a tiny ramekin with whatever I'm making. And then she can take a taste, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. And so, yeah, it, but it was rough. And it was right before Thanksgiving, like two weeks before Thanksgiving. It was so for yeah. us in the US. <laughs> and so it was like the worst time. Holidays are the worst time to not mm. eat. The holidays are all about eating. <laughs> yes. You mentioned Jacqueline that, uh, that Alexa was like, this was sort of the part of the spark that that uh, encouraged you guys to start thinking about dateability. Um, Alexa, what like what was that like for you seeing your sister go through that, and how did you sort of conceptualize together dateability from mm. that experience? Yeah, I mean, I've watched obviously. So Jacqueline, when she was born, and for you know the first fifteen years of her life was not disabled. Um, she became disabled from chronic illness after getting mono in high school, we think that was probably what set everything off. So I've oh. watched her health, you know, evolve and decline. And it's definitely changed me as a person to become much more compassionate and open-minded than I was before. Um, and watching her struggle, I mean, she's very dateable and she's a catch <laughs> yeah. and she's beautiful and smart and kind. Um, I always joke that, you know, like she's a, a way easier to deal with than me. And yet she has so much trouble because of her disabilities, which is just stupid to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I freaked out about the feeding tube that no able-bodied person, or it was going to be very hard to find an able-bodied person that would understand. And that, so while she was in the hospital, the day of her surgery, I went online and was looking up like how to start building an app because I'm a lawyer. So I know nothing about technology or coding, neither does Jacqueline. Um, and, but I was unemployed at the time, lost my job due to COVID. And so I had all this free time on my hands and, um, we kind of like just hit the ground running. Yeah. Well, Which wait, so, so, so mm. like the, the like motivation to start, this was like, we need to get Jacqueline a date and the best way to <laughs> find somebody is like find somebody yeah. through an app where we can <laughs> better select the type of person that, that she can go on a date. No, date okay, yes, yes, <laughs> okay, yes. But also you want a public lawyer. right now I work for legal aid. Um, I would consider myself an activist. I'm big on social justice and mm. change. And mm. I kind of knew going into law school that was what I was put on this earth to do not to sound you know all preachy but that is kind of like what my purpose is here and so it the two motivations that they coincided like let's make life and dating better and more accessible for Mm. other people who deserve it and my sister's one of those people so it's a win-win Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough.
one of the things we've talked about a lot over the last seven years of doing the show with folks that we have on as guests is there's there's lots to be said for like support groups and stuff like that for for people who are dealing with you know whatever it might be cystic fibrosis you know terminal cancer um, Ehlers Danlos there's like there's so with the with the way that the internet works today there's like so much access to find community. Um, when you feel like you may be the only person in the world experiencing something when in reality you most certainly are not. And so, um, and I know that like some people find those types of support groups really helpful and beneficial and, uh, but, uh, but other people actually find them kind of, um, kind of a bummer and, and sort of like highlight the shittiness of what you're going through. So it sort of like puts it in your face a little bit too much. And, um, you know, I don't think one, one, viewpoint is wrong and the other one is right. I think it's completely fair wherever you fall on that line. Mm-hmm. Um, if it works for you, it works for you. Exactly. If, yeah. If not, that's okay. Yeah. Too. And like for me personally, it never really worked for me. Like I, I was never really one to, to, uh, to feel like I, I, I got a lot out of, out of those types of like, you know, whatever Facebook groups or, or online forums, uh, about cystic fibrosis. However, I'm curious to know, like if what your feelings are on those groups and, and also like, did you, before dateability, did you look at those groups as like possibly an opportunity to meet maybe a romantic partner? Um, you know, like, like did, did the thought of like using some sort of platform where you know you aren't the only one um, to your advantage in terms of finding love, uh, was that something that ever crossed your mind? Yeah, I am in the same boat as you that... I find them not helpful and I find them more harmful. Mm. Um, my mom, on the other hand, is in every <laughs> single Facebook group. That same, yeah, same. Yeah. yeah, she's she's like, if I, I ever have a question, I'm like, hey, could you post on this group and ask? Um, I don't like it. I think there's a lot of like sick Olympics in those groups. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Which I'm not a fan of. Um, and I think in my experience, or at least the groups that I've seen that my mom is a part of, they're really, really, uh, female heavy mm. and mm-hmm. I'm straight. So, um, I never really looked for, to those groups for romantic mm-hmm. prospects, but it is something that I've thought about. And, and I think it's a really good base for a dating app. Um, it's, kind of the same concept um just this group of like-minded and like-bodied people Mm. that can form any sort of relationship that they want yeah Mm -hmm. so to the app then um i guess my my first question is this and and again i i'm like you guys i don't know jack shit about uh tech or like developing apps but if I was to take my very green knowledge of developing something like an app, the first thing that I would think about uh, if I was going to create something like Datability is that you've got quite a challenge ahead of yourself because, you know, say, say you decide to, oh, to start an app um, that is like, like your Tinders or your Bumbles or your Hinges, um, you know, and uh, you start this dating app and you put it out into the world, well... The people that hop on that app, whether they be disabled or not, you're going to get a plethora of people just because they're looking for love. When you start something like Datability, 
I'm, I'm guessing that it's, it's a lot more challenging to fill that app up with users because you're kind of selecting from a pool of people that it is um, a little bit more sparse than just something that everybody from the general public could like hop on and use. So was that like one of the first challenges that, that you faced when, when deciding to do this or, you know, what, like, what did it look like when you were like, all right, let's fucking buckle down and make this thing happen. Yeah, that's a good question. So, and people that I talked to, so in the U S one in four adults, um, has a disability. And I think that's pre pandemic statistics. So I'm not sure how long COVID has played into that. That's a lot. I think that makes up the largest minority in the U S and then worldwide. And people always ask me like where I get that statistic. I think I'm making it up. Um, (laughs) but it's, you know, from the CDC. So it's a legitimate statistic. And so there's really 1 billion people worldwide. We got, I mean, of course, some of these people are married, so they're not going to want to go out. You know, like their children (laughs) or their children. Right. But for for adult U.S. adults, I mean, that is a high number. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And I think about, you know, Grinder. I know that I think the statistic is the same for people who are L- identified with the LGBTQ plus community, but Grinder is just for gay men. So there's it's less than one in four in the mm-hmm. U.S. And mm-hmm. I just think about how it exploded. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I don't know. We're dreamers, I guess, a little bit, too. <laughs> so that really never crossed our minds. I mean, I mean, it makes sense too, because yeah. like with, I mean, you have Tinder competing with Hinge and, and Bumble. So they're all fighting for a market share. My, like my first question was like, when you're, you're doing market research, I assume like when you come up with an idea like this, you're like, the, the first thing that would jump to my mind is like, is anybody else doing, doing this? this? Yeah. And yeah, are and they doing it well? And there's not, no, um, yeah. and really, and they're not no doing way. it well. Yeah. Um, I, throughout the years, um, even years before, having this idea, I would, whenever I would get fed up with dating, I would Google um, dating apps for disabled people. And there'd be some here and there and I'd sign up and I'd see these people and I would immediately delete my account. I think it was more of a devotee site, which fine, but I'm not into that. So um, Can you explain that for people for yeah. people that don't so know that a term? Devotee is a person who is sexually attracted to disability. Um, so people usually have fetishes, whether it's amputation or spinal cord injury. Um, so, and there are a lot of disabled people who like to fulfill devotees' needs, and mm-hmm. as long as it's consensual, I'm all for it. But that was not the type of relationship I was looking for. And like you said, there is such a need in this market for a a dating app for disabled people. Um, And I cannot believe that it's 2022 and there isn't one. Mm. um, So what, at what point, like, what was the, what was the process of, uh, you know, I mean like whatever, building an app, I'm sure there's lots of interesting tech stuff that we could dive into, but like, I don't fucking care about how to build an app, uh, but what I, 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 mean, am, I, I know you are, that's what I'm saying it now. So we shut you the fuck up. <laughs> I, 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 what I'm more curious about is like, okay, you got the app, you have this user interface, you, you know, it's got, it, it looks pretty. It's like ready to be set out to the world. 
how do you get the word out? How do you how do you get people to join? Like, how do you grow usership uh, as the platform starts to build? We're doing a lot of social media marketing, um, word of mouth. We're relying heavily on word of mouth now. Um, we've gotten a lot of interest from the press. Um, the Washington Post is doing a piece on us, and oh, USA cool. is doing a piece mentioning us. Um, and I think. At least the reporter for the Washington Post said that when we uh, went came, slid into her email, she said there no way is there not a date a dating app for disabled people. Mm-hmm. And so she Googled, and she was like, "Oh, she's right." And so she was really intrigued and reached out to us. And so I, the best thing I think about the disability community is that everyone seems very very supportive of each other. And pretty much everyone I've reached out to is willing to post on their social media, tell their friends, um, just really do some free marketing for us yeah. uh, via social media. That was, that was my f- first um, instinct too, the same as that journalist. Like, like I, f- I found it hard to believe that there wasn't. Like there's a dating app for like so many different we- yeah. like weird, and I, I mean that weird, like there's like the Farmers of America yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking dating yeah. app. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. no dating app. I, I, when you said weird, way. I was like, whoa, Brian, watch it. And, no, and I, now I'm like, that is kind of weird. That <laughs> is is weird. weird. Like that's a weird one. Um, I, one thing that I'm, I, I, this, this, this has nothing to do with anything, but I just think it's like such a cool, cute idea. But, um, I'm guessing when you have an app, like, you know, you've, you, when I'm on Tinder, I'm sure Tinder can like see stuff about me as, as a user on their app. Um, it would be so interesting, uh, to like, how long has the app been before I ask this question, how long has the app been, um, like public and up it's and not going? yet. It's not yet. Okay. So it's still. Okay, so do you guys have any like desire to kind of keep an eye on the back end of things so that you can go like okay like you can basically see like oh my god this is our first date that was set up through the app and like and, and I don't know like may, like like follow up with them a few weeks later be like did it work like did did we like how do you get isn't that what like match.com well, does like not gonna read <laughs> people's messages <laughs> unless, <laughs> like, yeah. unless they report something just so everyone knows your messages will be fine <laughs> um but i mean we hope that these people reach out to us on social media um, yeah love some testimonials of like even mm-hmm. at the end, like we got married, but um, like, yeah, it, it makes me think of like hinge, right? Like when you join yeah. hinge and you use hinge and then you go to delete hinge, hinge is like, Oh, you're deleting me. Well, that's great. That's what this app was meant for. Now, why are you deleting me? Are you deleting me because you found a match? And then of course, you know, you say, yes, I did. Then hinge goes, sweet. We just added another little like coin to the bank where we just, we just realized that we, we like you know, maybe we started a family. Maybe we started, we started something. There was like, there was some sort of interest here. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be so interesting to like keep track of that, of like, hey, this was a success. This was a success. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, uh, that, I mean, yeah. that makes me so excited to, to, yeah. to kind of hear in a few years, would, like, hey, how's the dateability doing, you know? Yeah, that would be nice. Right now our app doesn't have that, you know, I know Hinge also has those things like have, with the people you're chatting with, have you met in person yet or yes, whatever. Yes, yes. Um, ours doesn't, now we do have a lot of plans for expansion and for v2 just to you know kind of add more features um and that would probably be something that we would want to add because i would be very curious and that would make me so happy if people Mm. were actually finding love Mm -hmm. 
I'm so interested in all the the sort of different features and like and how how it works. I'm curious, like when you have a community of people um, with disabilities who are who probably have, I, I imagine everybody has different interests. Um, I'm curious how you sort of lay the app out in terms of like, can you filter for different types of things or is that not part of like the ethos of like what you're trying to accomplish and like, how do you break that up? So V1, we aren't having anyone have the ability to filter or by preferences. It's really the, our algorithm is, um, by gender and what you're interested in by age and by location. And that's it. Like we do not try to figure out who is compatible with who based Mm. on that, because I think where a lot of dating apps fall short is that they put these people out in front of me that they think I might be interested in. Right. I just want to see everyone. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Computer thinks that we're a good match. I want to make that choice myself. Right. When you go to a bar, it's not like the, like, at the entrance, there's a bouncer like filtering people that you might be interested in. It's everybody. Like, so <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, that's true. Yeah. It, it is like super short sighted, like just to pick people. And sometimes the people there, it's way off base too. Mm, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's how our algorithm works. Um, we do have a section of the basic interest, but we also have a section called Datability Deets where we have a long list of descriptors such as neurodivergent, learning disability chronic illness, immunocompromised, where users can check those off if they want. Mm. Um, I know something that I struggled with with dating is not only like disclosing that I have a chronic illness, but what that may look like. Um, Mm. So if someone is an ambulatory wheelchair user, they can just check that off and have Mm. it be on their profile. And it gives a good idea to other users, what what that person's disability might look like. That's yeah. really cool because, like, in the right environment, that can be a great conversation yeah. piece too. Like, yeah. you can talk about those things with somebody who also understands them. I think, I with, think that's without really, without having to like worry about it being this like without the fear of of disclosing the information uh, without it being known in the first place, right? Like I, I think right. for a lot of people who, who suffer from disabilities, who, uh, are, are also struggling with dating, you know, it's, it's that, it's that going on that first date and that, you know, that sort of battle in your mind of like, okay, when do I tell them? What do I tell them? When do I tell them? Um, because, you know, like in your case, Jacqueline, like if I said the, if I said it too early, maybe they get freaked out. If I say it too late, then perhaps they feel like I was lying to them, you know? And so like Mm -hmm. it, it, it sort of just puts it out there for the person if that's the way they want to do it. So that it's like, like you said, right? Like a, like a conversation piece or something that you can actually like share common interest in or, or what have Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, Jacqueline, do you, do you feel like um, because you've had a bit of time, well, quite a bit of time to think of this? Do you feel like your profile is going to be fucking like perfect, dialed in, like, yeah, yeah. so dialed in? I going hope so. I hope the the <laughs> you know co-founder of Dateability as my job title really hooks people in. <laughs> but, yeah. How uh, how fucking rad would that be though if you found love? Through your own dating app. <laughs> that would be I feel like that's the yeah. goal, is yeah, it yeah. not? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, I re- I mean, I just want this so badly. Not for, I want it for other people, but I also want it for me. Um, mm-hmm. So, because I mean, I just have struggled so much with figuring out 
when and how to tell people. Um, you know, I've gone through a lot of therapy and my therapist always gives me the advice of like, just say it when it's relevant. And I mm-hmm. really love that advice, but also it sometimes it comes up, it's relevant really soon. And that's yeah. scary. Like, what yeah. do you do for work? Yeah. That's like a first date question. You're not even yeah. like a pre-first date question. And, and I frequently, I mean, I typically have doctor's appointments four or five days a week. So I can't work a full-time job. I can't work that traditional life. Um, so it's, it's really, I mean, I'm just really excited to use this and mm-hmm. hopefully find my person on there. In in terms of like the, uh, the users that will inevitably start joining in the next, you know, month, um, is it, how, like, how do you, how are you, how are you planning to deal with the, like coming back to the devotee thing? Um, you know, can, can anybody hop on dateability or, or is it, is it strictly for users who identify as someone who lives with a disability? Yeah, we, so at the beginning when we were first planning this out and how it would look, we were considering making it exclusive to those with disabilities and chronic illness. And then we thought about if there's any way to verify that because then really if someone could just go on and say that they're disabled and they're really not disabled mm. and what are we going to do, you know, require a doctor's note. I'm not really sure anybody is going to go through that just to sign up for a dating app. Um, and then that also brings in a bunch of like health and personal health information mm-hmm. and HIPAA. And there's a lot of stuff that comes into play there. And we decided that in order to be an inclusive app, we have to be inclusive of everybody. So able-bodied people and non-disabled people as well. So it is open to everybody. Um, The devotees, the predatory and non-consensual devotees is what concerns us. If it's consensual, if it's not predatory, then to each their own, you know, it's up to the person. Um, But that obviously is a concern. I mean, unfortunately, there are creeps everywhere. The requests. I've gotten on other apps is they've been weird. Um, So there's, it's important that everyone's educated. Our users are educated. We do have a section of safety and resources um, and frequently asked questions and how to date safely or as safely as possible um, on there. So the best thing to do is be educated and know what to look out for. And there's also a report abuse button. um, And we will take this very seriously and they'll be coming straight to us. So mm, mm-hmm. if somebody's being harassed or getting unsolicited pictures or anything, they can report the profile and we can remove them. Um, I wish I could eradicate creeps from the world, but we yeah, can't. that's yeah. I mean, we have to be able to deal with them as they come. Yeah, um, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like uh, we'd solve world hunger before we were able to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. in term yeah. in terms of um, like designing an app for people with disabilities, I imagine that accessibility and accessibility features are really important. And mm. uh, we've just been going through um, redoing our website, and like accessibility is such an important part of of the internet now. And like, even just from like alt text on images and, and things like that is that are, that are becoming more commonplace, but I know are still overlooked by a lot of big companies. Like what are some of the considerations that you've had to make in the development of the app to make it more accessible for people with disabilities? We have really good developers who are really understanding of how important it is for us to be accessible. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of programs these days that can scan your app or your website and give you that accessibility score. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been taking those into consideration. 
Um, we do have image descriptions on our, um, as an option to put on your profile. Um, we hope that people, if it's not accessible, that people are honest with us and tell us where we can improve because there will always be room for improvement mm-hmm. and we want it to be accessible for everyone. Um, so just if, if anyone runs into any issues, just shoot us an email and we will try to fix it as soon as possible. And we are having a group of people who have various disabilities all along the spectrum and they're going to be testing it and with, you know, with, with for feedback. Some of them are in relationships, but they will be going solely for the accessibility feedback. And so we're going to take that very seriously. Mm. Um, but I mean, I've, and we also have a web app. So um, not nice. some people have limited use of their hands. And so phones are hard for them. Um, so we have a web app. They can log on laptop, desktop, yeah. whatever. Great. Is there anything that's like stood out so <laughs> far that has sort of um, surprised you? Some of the either like a feature or something that that has been brought up where you're like, oh, fuck, I never thought of that. But now that it's mentioned, like that makes a lot of sense in a way that it, it works differently than, you know, a typical dating app like Tinder or Hinge. I would say um, just learning different terminology. Um, I'm disabled, but I don't know everything about disabilities and I can't speak for everyone with disabilities. Um, so learning the terminology that's that different disabled groups, um, use, uh, such as, you know, the hearing, the hard of hearing community, they Mm. do not like hearing impairment. They like hard of hearing and deaf. And it's when I've seen that the visual, blindness community doesn't mind visual impairment. Mm. Um, so it's been really interesting to do my research and, and see what everyone prefers. Yeah. Mm. I, uh, I know that, you know, like over the, over the history of dating apps, um, I feel like Tinder, you know, outside of like, outside of, um, you know, the old school, like computer based ones, like match.com and stuff like that. Like Tinder was the, from what I gather was like the first like handheld, like iOS app that you could use to find love. And then, you know, soon after Bumble came along and Bumble was pretty much the same as Tinder, but there was a little shtick where it was like, this is for, you know, we're focusing on females taking the, the, like the first step and, and like allowing the conversation to go forward. And then Hinge came along and, and Hinge was like, all right, well, you know, we're, we're going to focus less on, um, sort of just like the hot or not swiping and like we're going to we're going to focus in on like the actual things that these people are interested in um and like prompts were a big thing um and so like every every iteration of a dating app that came after Tinder sort of sort of arrived on the scene with it, with its own feature or its own its own shtick um and obviously you know the big feature here is the d- disabled community aspect of it but uh, were there other things that you had seen in previous dating apps that you were like, okay, I love, I love the way that this works in, in their user interface. I'd like to see something similar to that in ours or, or were there like new things that you hadn't seen in dating apps prior that you wanted to kind of like include in the way that datability works for you guys? Yeah. So we did look at the other apps and what we like and what we don't like, um, which is pretty funny creating like a Tinder profile and then having my friends see me on there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to be on Tinder right now. Um, you know, we do like the political beliefs and the vaccination status. I think that's important these days. It's important to me when I'm 
on the dating apps, um, which is why then the algorithm, I also know for the other apps where they try to predict who you're going to like is so screwed up sometimes because our uh, political beliefs are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I'm like, there's no way, <laughs> which is something that is kind of what our algorithm, we wanted it to let the people choose, let the users choose. I didn't like how Hinge was trying to set me up with these people where we couldn't be any more different. And I don't, and not in an opposites attract kind of way, like a mm. values way that was pretty obvious if you looked at both of our profiles. So it's, um, you know, that was really important to us, the vaccination status. Um, we, and then the datability deeds and just like putting that forward, yeah. we think is like the most important. And I think learning, you know, I never knew the, really the history of any of the dating apps, but Whitney Wolf created Bumble after experiencing, allegedly experiencing sexual harassment at, at Tinder. So she wanted to bring back power and control and put it in women's hands, which is amazing. Um, and then Hinge, I believe he was a recovering alcoholic. And so he added the drinking drugs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there. yeah. Right. Um, and I don't think, I think like other apps have it now, but I don't think they did before, but I can't. No, no, remember. you're right. So it's like each dating app that's been super successful is created by somebody with like, a story with a story and they're Ooh. creating the app for them. And I think that's where if there's any other disabled dating app that's out there or that's been made before, that's what they're lacking. Is it they're just a person like a coder making this app trying to fill like a gap in the market, but they don't really understand mm. having a disabled person, my sister, you know, create this app and know, you know, what it's like to date as a disabled person and knowing what she would like. I think that that's what's going to set datability apart and yeah. make it I think it's an in incredible idea. Yeah, like same. And and really needed. It's it's yeah. really amazing what what you guys are both doing. I know that uh, you know uh, we have quite a few listeners, um, both up here in in uh, Canada and and also down in the United States and and elsewhere, you know, across the world. Um, and a lot of our listeners are folks who are, you know, either in the healthcare system in some fashion or are, um, identify as someone who would really benefit from this app. And I don't know the demographics, but I would say there's probably a, a, a good handful of those folks who are, uh, single and ready to mingle. Um, and so I guess my, my question here is, um, when the app, uh, drops later this month, um, is, is it, uh, available in just the U S or is it open to us Canucks up here? It is. It is available in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. And hopefully we'll be able to expand geographically. Um, you know, the EU has really, really strict privacy laws. So you have to have a representative over there. That's an added expense. Um, and we hope to be able to translate our app into different languages so that other countries can enjoy it as well. Yeah. I, uh, do, do you guys have a date specifically when, when it's going to launch? We, our launch party in, um, in Colorado is October 21st and we will be, uh, public by then. Just in time for some spooky dates, uh, <laughs> right. a week, a week later. That's awesome. Um, I, I also think, um, the point that like, like if I was, if I was single right now, this is, this would be a, a dating app that I would use. And, and like, I, I have ADHD. I don't like necessarily identify as somebody with a disability, but I wouldn't limit myself to going on dates with people who don't have disabilities. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I, I think, you know, through all of the conversations that we've had on this podcast over the last seven years, um, the, sometimes the people who are most comfortable having genuine, authentic 
conversations and talking openly about some of the scariest or hardest moments of their lives. People who have, you know, been, been by their situations have had to go into therapy and, and start to like uncover, you know, who their true self is through those experiences. Um, there's some of the greatest people to connect with and build relationships with. And so like as somebody who identifies as, you know, being able-bodied and, and not living with a disability, I think this is a, a place that I would definitely be interested in exploring. Yeah. Um, to look for a romantic yeah. partner too. Yeah. I, uh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, I always say like, if you can be friends with a disabled person, you could probably be like have a romantic relationship with them. I, I think that like friendship can a lot of times be the most important relationship and such a deep relationship. And, um, there are a ton of disabled people who are best friends with non-disabled people. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't see a difference. And I was going to say, that's why we didn't want to, you know, exclude able-bodied or non-disabled people from the app because there are people who are totally open to that and accepting and, you know, everyone deserves love. So if you find it on the app on datability, even if you're not disabled, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the app coming out, um, uh, you know, as we record this, like 10 days from now, um, just shy of 10 days from now, um, I guess, you know, the one thing that I would, I would like to urge all of our listeners who are listening to this and, and think, hey, maybe this is something that I could like hop onto. Um, you know, when it comes to these types of things, I'm, my guess is that there's a bit of a slow process for it to build and spread. And so like it requires probably on the user's end, a little bit of patience uh, for the app itself to like find a home, find its users and start to like get that steam to move forward so that there are, you know, more than maybe just one person in your city who's on the app. Um, and so I would, I would very like highly encourage folks who are listening to this that are interested in the app to keep that in mind as you download the app, you know, like depending on where you live, you might download the app and there might not be anyone else on there, Mm -hmm. um, in your, in your area, but like give it a, you know, don't give up on the app just, uh, just in the first couple of days, give it, give it a good amount of time to like sit there and and develop. And also here's a strategy. If you're single (laughs) and you have a disability, and you want to use the app, and you know somebody else who's also single, and you want to get a feel for like if they're into you or not, and you're too afraid to like bring it up, maybe recommend the app to them <laughs> and go on the app. And it's likely that ah, if you're in the same location, yes. you'll swipe and see them. Yes, yes, yes. And then you can make the connection there and be like, ha ha. Good one, bro. I like that. <laughs> That's great. It's very fun to swipe on your friends. That you That's right. Back, so <laughs> I suggest that too. <laughs> Again, no, it's a really good point. We do mm. want people to be patient. It does take time to grow. Also, you know, we're testing it a ton right now. Um, and so for bugs and everything, but obviously like tech is ever evolving. This is something we're learning. Like you fix one bug and then that can cause like another bug. And so, you know, we were told by somebody that like, oh, if there's a bug, you're going to, and there's a user and they encounter the bug, you're going to lose them as a customer, which I think is, I mean, I'm like that, the number of bugs like Instagram has had, and I'm still on Instagram. So I oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, daily, daily but we yeah. would ask that, you know, people are patient and also that we do really appreciate feedback. Um, we are very open to that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I wanted to mention, um, as the app starts out, we are not implementing the location feature. So you will see everyone on the app. So I might swipe, I might be able to swipe on someone in Canada um, and they might be able to swipe on someone in New York. So we will, you will have 
all the options. Yeah, um, that's cool. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Espe- I mean, especially today, especially like as, during COVID, like when COVID popped off um, and we were locked in our houses. I know I was, I was at that point, I was dating and, and, or seeking to date um, other people. And, you know, some, I, 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 I garnered some like really legit, like great relationships that all existed through a screen on a phone. And it mm-hmm. was like, really like, I mean, and that was extraordinarily important for me at that time, you know, when things were like, when, when things were heavily locked down and in the very least, you know, you have that opportunity, maybe you don't find someone that's a, like a romantic partner, um, that lives, you know, seven States away from you, but you sure as shit have an opportunity to create some like really valuable friendships mm-hmm. through something like that. You know what I mean? Um, again, because it's, it, it's, it's a, an app where, like you said, there's a lot of like, like-minded and uh, like bodied people. Um, like what a great way to kind of kick things off with by just nixing the location and just having the ability to meet people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, really fucking cool. So the big question then, where can people find Datability? Datability, it will be available for download on Apple and Android and um, you by using our web app at Datability app. Com. All right. And that's Amazing. date, D-A-T-E, ability, A-B-I-L-I-T-Y, all one word. Um, I, I, I Earlier today, I looked up dateability, um, D-A-T-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y, and I was like, oh, this is just a bunch of tech companies uh, <laughs> looking at data. That's ability, that, that's, there's ability to find data. Uh, so dateability, D-A-T-E, yep. A B I L I T Y. Uh, Jacqueline, Alexa, thank you. This has been such a treat. Like I'm, I, I don't think I've been more excited for, for something, uh, that has been like talked about on the show Mm -hmm. in a really long time. This is, I think you guys have a really interesting and fun couple of years ahead of you. So, uh, we're rooting for you and, um, I'm going to be really big. I'm I'm, (laughs) going to be really big. Like October 21st, I'm joining. I'm going to hop on there. I want to like, I want to see what it's all about. Uh, and I, I highly encourage anybody listening to this to, to just hop on there and, and check it out. Who knows? Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.